Welcome back to the Shit Dad Podcast, where we normalize those parenting mistakes and breaks while talking all things fatherhood. We're here for episode two of Frontline Fathers, where we find out what makes first responders tick and what type of fathers they are. I'm Nick, married father of a three, five and a seven-year-old, and I'm joined this episode by father of three, Ryan Dubik, a firefighter of 10 years in Canada, where he achieved level two tech rescue, competed in FireFit and placed 12th in the world's competitions back in 2012 and almost six years as a firefighter here in Australia, in Queensland. How are you going, Ryan? Good, Nick. How are you doing? Good, man. Sorry, I, I hope I didn't miss anything Good. there. I'm glad um, I'm glad I texted you earlier before the episode to, to get your skills. Otherwise, I would have been embarrassed no it's all good buddy no that sounds good there's not much there so awesome well honestly i remember when you came over from canada for your exchange program in australia how long were you here for a year that was a year yeah year uh, work exchange there where yeah i met you down at kemp place fire station down in cbd of brisbane there by the story bridge you bet correct absolutely smashing me in the gym so yeah thanks for that um, yeah, anytime, my friend. <laughs> so, uh, what was what brought on the exchange program? Um, just always wanted to. I guess the wife and I always talked about it. it was before kids, and we just wanted to, yeah, get out there, explore the world a little bit more. And it was uh, we talked about it, and I was actually in the middle of the bush up in Saskatchewan, Canada, fishing with my brother and my cousins, and uh, contacted my wife on a satellite phone just to let her know we we're okay. And uh, she said, guess what? We're doing exchange to Brisbane. So she, um, there's a, I guess one of our friends, mutual friends just uh, said, had opportunity, someone who wanted to do it over here. And she jumped on it even before I knew anything about it. So turned out well. Amazing. So I noticed you said there before having kids. So how long after your exchange program until you had the kids? Well, we actually, um, we got pregnant through the process and uh, getting ready to come over to Australia. Uh, so we came over here with a three-month-old uh, baby girl Excellent. named Jelena. Yep. Wow. So did you notice one thing I do want to know um, from all of our guests upcoming and being is like how did that change? How did the being a firefighter change when you had a kid? I think it will put everything in perspective, I guess. Um, just sort of makes you think a little bit uh, clear on what's important um, and I guess just being in the job trying to – make better decisions and be maybe a little bit more safe about the things you're doing at work since sometimes you're in some dangerous uh, situations just to ensure that we do come home to that family. Um, Yeah, it sort of makes you check yourself a little bit and uh, yeah, think about the family so you get home safe because they're number one, right? Yeah, that's correct. And so over in Canada, are things as cowboyish as the Americans? We notice... Uh, we always say here in Australia that uh, the Americans have some different uh, procedures than us that may be a little bit more dangerous when it comes to uh, structure fires. But do you? There, is it the same in Canada? Do you take those risks a bit more than we do over here? Uh, I wouldn't say more than over here. I think we did some different tactics and techniques with uh, roof ventilating and positive pressure ventilation, which doesn't happen over here. Um, but it was all um, – we were trained um, to a great capacity on it and it was always coordinated and – always worked really well because everyone was on the same page where I think uh, other fire departments, maybe they're just not all all on the same page and maybe that's where they run into some trouble sometimes with uh, some of the stuff they do. But no, we were safe always and there's always calculated moves. So um, no, it all worked really well. Do you find over here in Australia that the, uh, we take any different sort of risks that you maybe not wouldn't do in Canada? Uh, No, I can't say that we do. I think over here is actually 
um, probably even a little bit more safe than Canada to an extent, like yeah. just for a couple of little things for accountability and stuff, um, such as the things as a BA entry board there, which we didn't have back in Canada. We more or less just uh, took care of each other and sort of oh, wow. made sure we we're, we're safe, but there's nothing accountability wise like that other than just the incident uh, controller sort of asking where your location is and sort of describe it down. But uh, over here, there's much more accountability with uh personnel safety yeah definitely and for anyone listening a ba board is something that we use outside of a structure fire um, to sort of measure the amount of air we have and the amount of time we're available uh, to work inside a, a building so uh, that's what ryan's talking about there so dubes or ryan nicknamed dubes uh, can you tell us um, when you had more kids started spitting them out did you have them over here uh, no, we went back to Canada after the one-year exchange there, um, and then it was another about another year, and then we had my boy Hayes, um, so a couple of years, two and a half years apart. Uh, so the first two kids were born in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, we loved it so much over here that uh, we were able to get a residency, and I went through the whole process of joining Queensland Fire again, going through the rec- recruitment process and all the mm-hmm. application and stuff like that. Made the move over here in what was it? Uh, it was 2017, May 2017. I came over here by myself, left my wife and two kids back in Canada, and mm-hmm. I just did the recruit course um, at the academy for three months without them, which is probably the hardest thing I ever did in my life. I imagine. Just being away that long from them when they were, I guess it would have been three and a half and about uh, one, one and a half years old. So yeah, missed the family dearly. But, uh, and then we, yeah, settled here and had our uh, youngest one, Indy, and she's just turning four in a couple of days and she is a full-blown Aussie with the accent and <laughs> citizenship and all that good stuff. So yeah, she was born here. Awesome. That's gold. And so now you've got the three kids. Do you find that you, um, it, it changes your work, how, how you approach work? Yeah, no, like I sort of mentioned before, um, just making those decisions and just making sure you go home, home safe to them. And yeah. even, just talking a little bit about, um, you know, after structure fires and stuff like that, just making sure we take, we're extra cautious around the fires just with the stuff we're breathing in and uh, just deconning, decontaminating our gear after and just trying to limit the exposure with all the cancers and stuff that we deal with nowadays and stuff and just sort of see some of the past firefighters we worked, I've worked with, you just sort of see it's pretty common to yeah. see a lot of cancer going around. So just trying to be a lot more careful about that and our exposure to all the the bad stuff that we're around so definitely that's one thing that i really like about uh the way the fire service is going at the moment the way that they're uh that we're all sort of uh, made accountable for looking after our own futures really um yeah what's your favorite part about being a firefighter uh i just say serving the community um working with a bunch of great people um and every day is different which i like um i'm not really made for the monday through friday work um, <laughs> i don't think i could ever go I back was, to be honest. I, I, yeah i was i was a teacher before yeah and i just remember always listening looking at the clock and waiting for the bell to ring to move on to the next class and just living by that clock it was just yeah look back on them I'm, I'm glad i'm not doing that anymore i just like the just knowing that every day is going to be different and you know never know what you're gonna sort of run into as a firefighter and uh makes it makes it fun Get awesome. that little bit of adrenaline going. So, so we uh, we definitely have the the good end of the stick with the the shift work side of things. Um, and I just wanted to know what is what do you do because we got so much time. I don't want to say so much time off. We we work four days on, four days off. In your four days yeah. off, what would you say is your 
go-to or favourite quality time you spend with the kids? Oh, geez, it just seems right now, the stage of my life is pretty much, um, kids are very active and we have a lot of activities going on with gymnastics and basketball and swimming and kindy and school. And so I think just spend a lot of time with them when I can is trying to make that extra effort just to, when we're not actually driving them around and playing uh, taxis, just actually just reading a book with uh, with my kids. I read my son, he's seven. I read a book with him every night before bed. My daughter's four. I think we read about six, eight books. She sits on my lap and just taking that time just to connect with them in that, that manner. And uh, even my eldest daughter now, she's getting older, but just, yeah, just making time and listen, even listening to music music together um i find that's my bond with her she's a big fan of jack johnson so just uh trying to find those common interests and just really taking time to uh um, be a part of their lives yeah definitely and uh, i remember one thing that sticks out from the the conversations that we've had over the years is how bloody well you feed your kids can you elaborate on what you what a basic day would be as far as like meals and snacks would go I think that uh, we try to, I guess it's, yeah, it's feeding them, trying to feed them well and healthy is probably um, costing us, but it's uh, <laughs> investments, you know, it's always so, so expensive to a lot of fruits and veggies and stuff like that. Um, it probably goes back to my wife. She's, she's sort of heads up that and she's uh, from day one, we've been feeding them good. And um, I guess that sort of pays off now that they're not fussy eaters. They eat what they get and it's mostly fruit and veggies and meat. Um, just try and stay healthy and sort of, educate them on the good foods and the bad foods as we go and start them young so they have that education growing up and can make good decisions about the foods. So it's just a lot of yeah, fruit and vegetable and clean meat if we can. But every now and again, we definitely do spoil them with uh, candy and ice cream and all that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that so that's about it on that. Yeah, nice. And uh, how do you feel like you use the work-life balance uh, to your advantage when it comes to like without the kids, so we we talk about on the podcast a lot about having um having to look after yourself, whether it be physically, mentally, whatever. I know you're into surfing and that, but yeah. how how do you look after yourself um when you don't have the kids around? Uh, or do you incorporate them the as well? Around, yeah, most of the time it's incorporating them, but when I don't have them around, it definitely. I think over the years I've learned that you do. It's pretty healthy to try to take time for yourself as a dad and. Because, you know, we can get consumed by our lives. Everyone's busy, and especially with kids. But I think it's so healthy just to take that hour a day where I usually like to try to go for a surf or a swim, run some stairs just for just for myself. It's I, I like to move. So anything where I'm sort of physically active, taking that hour, I go home a lot happier and just sort of, yeah, I think everyone's, it's just a little bit of uh, time for me, which is good, just takes time to think and you go home with a clearer mind and probably in a better mood for everyone since life can get hectic with three kids, right? So Definitely. And so um, that's pretty much advice in itself, being able to go home happier and feeling good about yourself. But would you have any sort of fitness advice for the dads that struggle to find that motivation? I think right now I'm just trying to – I myself now with being so busy is just keeping it simple yeah. even if you get 20 20 minutes of uh, running stairs it's better than doing nothing so or going for a walk going for a quick walk a couple kilometers just keep moving mm. um yeah take that time and there's always an excuse i guess why you can't do it but uh, you just got to plan ahead really and just you know if you have a supportive wife at home which i do like i let her know okay i'm gonna run stairs tomorrow and just try 
talk about it in advance and then you know you're almost held accountable to it because you've talked about it so even if it's half an hour 20 minutes 15 minutes whatever it is just take that time for you right so yeah, that's awesome great advice uh and finally i'm going to go with uh one last question that i want to try and ask every guest that i have on and a couple of listener questions that we've uh, we've had sent in for you ryan but um my last question to you would be what made you want to be a firefighter uh, what made me want to be a firefighter? Um, I think it was just to help, um, you know, just help anyone that's in need. Um, just, I guess my personality growing up, that's sort of how I was. I was always sort of, uh, want to help. And, um, uh, if I saw someone in need, I was always there to try to help or, um, make them feel better if I could. And just, I guess since I was 16, I was sort of volunteer firefighter back in a small town where I grew up in Canada and sort of had that, uh, just, enjoyed being out there and, and learning and um, being in the community, which is a small town and uh, being a part of a team, which is probably the biggest thing too. I always enjoyed being a part of the team. Um, I played college football back in Canada. And once I was done that, I was sort of felt like I was missing something. So um, yeah, I sort of fell into uh, firefighting from a friend that started doing it before me as a profession. Mm. Uh, when I was teaching, I just saw how good it was and I just really missed that team aspect and, uh, that's what sort of led me back to it. It's just everything we do is, um, you know, you're only as good as the member beside you. So you just got to pick each other up and uh, um, just, yeah, be a team, every aspect that we do. That's awesome. Uh, so, Well, there's a lot of um, similarities in the cultures, I believe, um, between Australia and, and uh, Canadian Canada, uh, firefighters, sorry. And um, do, you, do you agree with that or do you find that there's a, a difference in the cultures? No, that's uh, definitely, um, that's the first thing I noticed when I came on an exchange there. Um, it was almost like I was in a parallel, parallel universe from Canada to um, Australia. I noticed right away there was, it was almost like my crew I had back in Canada. I could almost say, okay, you're this guy, you're this guy, you're this guy. There's always, it was, it was really uncanny to see the similarities and, you know, just the humor and the jokes yeah and sort of everyone picking on each other in a, a good-natured way and the pranks <laughs> and having a laugh right but yeah. uh you, know, you definitely see the brotherhood there um internationally for sure awesome one of my favorite pranks uh as a firefighter in training was um when someone one i think it was one of the recruit instructors uh in told everyone to turn the opposite way to me uh when we started marching because uh, i was late that day so they'd all <laughs> planned it up before uh, before we'd formed up, and then when we formed up, and they said uh, right right wheel, and everyone turned left, and I went right, and yeah, <laughs> mad switch up. I would love healthy. to see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So we've got a couple of listener questions for you, mate. Uh, how do you maintain a good relationship with the shift work and three kids? Um, I think it's just yeah, trying to realize everything's um, pretty much with kids. Is it's all stages. That's what I've discovered as you go through from the the baby to the toddler to the older kids as we go here it's all stages and when you think something's really bad just realize everything passes right so i just try to always keep that in mind and just focus on they're not going to want you for too long i've noticed that as they grow up they're more getting more um, they want to spend more time with their friends and i'm starting to see that so we only have a little bit of time with them when you really think about it till say seven eight years and then they start to go towards their friends so i think just trying to make that impression yeah. Um, and try to lead them down the right path and make those connections is so important for the rest of, of you know, their childhood into teenage years because it's those building blocks. Um, you know, so you want your kids to come to you 
and confide in you, especially as teenagers, as they grow, as yeah. we've all been, you know, been through it. Right. So just that work-life balance to me, it's, um, you know, I, I just focus family first and work a second and I'm lucky I get to come to an amazing job with great people too. So, but uh, definitely keep uh, prior priority on my, on my family. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I've read something yesterday actually, and it was uh, something like, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase it completely, um, but it's something like, the things that the you, like the big things your kids are telling you now that they think are big and you sort of brush off. If you ignore yeah. the big things that they think are big now, then when they're older, they're not going to come to you with the big things that are actually big. Um, That's I, it. Yeah, I thought that was really incredible. So, uh, yeah, I think so. I agree. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Uh, and finally, mate, what was the hardest age group of the kids around your shifts? The hardest age group for yeah, the like, kids, like just babies, uh, just in general. Or, yeah. Now, uh, I think. For myself, I probably think the toddler, or I'd say from, yeah, the one to say two-year-olds, I I struggle with the most because yeah, I don't know, they just uh, they don't understand as much, and yeah, you're always chasing, I think, and I'm a tall guy, so getting down and chasing them all the time, <laughs> yeah, it was tiring, but uh, yeah, I know as they as they grow up, you start to see that you know you put in that time and. Um, even at that age, they're smarter than we give them credit for. They really take in everything that we we talk to them about, our tones, our you know our moods, and everything too. So just trying to uh, um, you know just make teach them at that young age was tiring in its own right, but uh, it pays off in the end. So I'd say that early, yeah, that one to two to three, you know, and then it sort of gets easier as you go once they become a bit more independent and stuff. So. Jeez, works for you. Mine, mine got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, got lucky, I guess. Yeah, yeah maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, that's just about wrapped us up, mate. Have you got any? Uh, we'll, we'll stick with the theme of the the shit daddery, mate. But do you have any shit dad moments or shit dad stories that you'd like to share with the crew? Or I probably have a lot, but nothing. I probably <laughs> blocked them all out. I even asked yeah. my wife today if uh, she could bring any up. Um, the only one <laughs> I just sort of think of. of. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, she actually didn't have too many and I probably blocked them out. But the one I can think of was um, then came off a night shift um, after a busy night shift of work. Um, my wife had to go to work. Um, so I got past the would have been the five year old girl and the three year old boy um, had to get my girl to prep. So I got her to prep and had the whole day with my boy um, keeping me busy. So I was quite tired. So we went he was going to have a nap. So I thought I'm going to have a nap, too. So we both went down for a nap about uh, 1.30 in the afternoon and somehow I didn't set an alarm and I woke up at about 2.43 um, in, a, in a panic because I had to be at my girl's school at 2.45 to pick her up, which is about <laughs> five minutes away. So yeah. luckily that was definitely a panic. I was able to call a friend and they sort of watched out for her quickly, but that definitely, I'd say that was a shit dad moment. And <laughs> still made it there. I think I was there at about 2.52, yeah. but she didn't know anything happened. I think she was playing on the playground with her friends. But yeah, as Perfect. a dad, I felt like that that was a failure. But uh, That's a siesta, yeah. siesta gone wrong, but at least it wasn't like that's waking it. up at 3.30. So that's good. That's true. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the dad naps. Not gonna lie. Oh, you got so. it. You got it. Yeah. Anyway, mate, thank you so much for coming on uh, episode two of Frontline Fathers. I uh, hope the listeners have got something out of your story because I think uh, I've learned a few things as well, just about priorities and and things like that, and what makes you tick. And there's a lot of stuff that people can adapt to their own fatherhood journeys. No, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much again, and we'll talk to you soon. All the best. All right. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Bye. There we go. That's Ryan Dubik, 
uh, Frontline Fathers number two. Uh, what a story, what a guy. And I hope you guys, like I said before, can take something away from that because um, that's what this is all about. But until next time, I'm Nick, the shit dad OG, and I'll chat to you during the week for the kids. Mm-hmm.